0: Hello, waffle lovers, and welcome to another episode of Whatever Flips Your Waffle here on 365SportsCast.com. I'm your host, Mark Domeyer, coming to you, as always, from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota. We have plenty to talk about this week. We can mix in all different Minnesota sports, from the Vikings' exciting win, to the Gophers' plummet, to the Timberwolves' wild, and the end of the Twins' season Right around the corner I'm glad you decided to tune in this week Listen to the talk about Minnesota sports Welcome to those of you Who tune in each and every week And welcome to those of you Who might be checking things out For the first time Sit back, relax, prepare yourself For another helping of Waffles Syrup optional After this brief commercial break We'll be back with our Wisdom with Wyatt segment And then you'll want to make sure You stick around for the entire show A special announcement at the end There's enough bad news in the world. Where can you turn for some good news? The N-R-H-E-G Star Eagle, of course. Your area newspaper, the Star Eagle, focuses on the events and people that make our area a great place to live. The N-R-H-E-G Star Eagle, your good news newspaper. To subscribe or advertise, contact Eli at 507-463-8112 or email steagle at hickorytech.net. Again, if you subscribe, you get to read the Waffle Flippers column each and every week right there in the NRHEG Star Eagle. Again, 507-463-8112 or email steagle at hickorytech.net It's time once again for Wisdom with Wyatt here on Whatever Flips Your Waffle. Wyatt Gross crates with us. And again, a Vikings game that Takes us down to the wire and makes life interesting, but they come away with a win. A win is a win. I'll take it however I can get it. It was ugly, but if you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, then good things will happen. And it feels like um, they're kind of. The first game of the year, You know we talked about when they beat the Packers, and you have the whole offseason to plan for the Packers. And they just put together a dominating performance. Now in the normal week-to-week grind, I think Kevin O'Connell is realizing, oh, I I still have to put together a complete game plan because it just doesn't seem like this offense is moving moving as smoothly as we would hope it would under Kevin O'Connell.
1: I think it's growing pains. I mean, that happens with every rookie coach. You're never gonna have a guy come in and be like, perfect, he's still, and there's times where he's learning how to clock manage. There's times (laughs) when he's learning how to do certain things calling and he's like he said this is his first time calling plays but i'm not i thought he's been good so far i mean it doesn't have to be about how well he's called a game when you watch this team play they obviously love playing for him so it's a massive upgrade anyway
0: yeah yeah you mentioned the clock management it felt very mike zimmer like at the end of the first half where you have three timeouts and there's i think 28 seconds in the clock call timeout because you 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 kept yourself from at least one more play that you could have run
1: yeah i wish he would have called a timeout in that situation and like what was the the head coach for denver he hired a guy to help him with those things right and i kind of wish every head coach would do that because then it's just one less thing they have to worry about they have yeah. a guy hey call a timeout and then right he calls
0: one. right i thought but, i thought the vikings had somebody like that they got you know 5700 coaches on the sideline but I have
1: I have no idea if they do or don't, yeah, but if they do, then he obviously should be fired because...
0: Yeah, right, that's an
1: easy one. That's uh, That should not happen. And if there is none, then oh well. Kevin yeah. O'Connell's got 100 things to worry about. That's one thing I'm not going right. to
0: get mad about. So here's something to worry about is the ability to finish a drive. You know, you, you kick five field goals, and it's, it's hard to even... Again, there's that rhythm, there's that whatever... Uh, but it feels like uh, Kirk doesn't have enough time at times. I mean, he got sacked three times on Sunday. Uh, it felt like he was under pressure more than he needed to be, more than one would hope he would be. Um, again, that offensive line uh, not quite there. I mean, we're seeing Ed Ingram's improving, and he's a rookie. Um, but even uh, Brian O'Neill got beat badly one time on Sunday. I suppose it'll happen. You just kind of figure he'd be—he's consistent usually.
1: Well, I don't want to bash the offensive line too much or the offense in general because number 1 Brian O'Neill is the one of the best right tackles in yep. football and when you look who he was going against, right. Cameron Jordan. Right. That's no one is ever going to go up against Cameron <laughs> Jordan and win 100% of the time. I don't blame him for any of that. Ed Ingram is a rookie, he's getting better. Garrett Bradbury is getting better. He is? Yep. Christian Darius on year 2, he's looking like a potential franchise left tackle right. they're gonna have growing pains it happens the offense again I thought it looked better because after the Green Bay game you had two straight first quarters with where you just didn't look that great but then they finally had a really good first drive again yep. so that's signs of Kevin O'Connell finally making adjustments and getting better at that and Let's give credit where credit is due. They have a really good defense down in New Orleans.
0: They do, yeah. Cam Jordan, you mentioned um, he was he was outstanding. Just whether it's run stopping or putting pressure on Kirk, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Now, when you look at the box score and you say Justin Jefferson had ten receptions for one hundred forty-seven yards, Lattimore must have been terrible. But he wasn't. In some ways, that was if you can have a quiet one hundred forty-seven yards, it felt like. Jefferson, you know, he had some big catches and everything, but Ladmore made some plays. How many guards would he have had if it would have been? To, well, anybody except Darius Slay, but, you know, I, I thought Ladmore overall played well, but he's going to need some help on Justin Jefferson too.
1: Yeah, um, it, it did feel like a quiet – it felt like a quiet day for JJ because he just – I don't know. It it wasn't like the Green Bay game where it kept happening over and over and over. It was strung throughout the game, which I'm fine with. He still played amazing, but you're right. It it felt like that Saints defense made a lot of the plays they were supposed to make. That they are a very good defense. They're a well coached defense. I like Dennis Allen as the head coach there. He's been a great defensive coordinator for a while. And I can tell you right now, if the Saints are going to win games this year, it's going to be because of that defense. Of course.
0: Yeah. Their offense. This is where I get a little disappointed. You know. Uh, the Saints, without their starting quarterback, without their starting receiver, without their, one of their top, or starting running back, without one of their top receivers, it felt like the Vikings should have won this by more. But I wonder, too, you know, they made a big deal about the Saints flew over to London, what, Monday or Tuesday right away? Yeah. And the Vikings waited until after practice on Thursday, giving them less time to sort of adjust to timing and everything. I don't know if that makes I've never traveled overseas. I have no idea if that makes a difference. But I wonder if they were just a little bit jet-lagged and maybe that led to some of their slogging through at times. It's hard to tell. Maybe.
1: I mean, that is always a factor, especially when you're going overseas to London. I mean, it's not easy to play on the road and then play in a different country. I mean, I will give cut slack for that because it's just tough with all that time change. But... At the same time, when Jameis Winston, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas are not playing, I don't care what defense it is, they should not score 25 points.
0: Well, and, and Latavius Murray looked like his, his old Viking self, how he used to play for the Vikings, just straight up running, plowing through. Uh, that was impressive, I thought. I mean, he's getting up there in age a little bit, but uh, you know, the guy stepped up. I really think Chris Olave, he's going to be the real deal. You're going to hear a lot about him. Um, and he almost came down with another big catch kind of toward the end. This guy's got some real talent.
1: Olave looked amazing. He has real speed, really good hands. His route running is awesome. Everything about him is just amazing. He looks like, and he acts like the real deal, and he's only been in four games so far. Now, obviously, it's really early, and it's such a small sample size, but I do think Olave is going to be one of the best, if not the best, receivers out of that draft. Yeah.
0: Well, if you think if Michael Thomas could ever stay healthy, well, it would be hard. It's like having Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You know, that talent level there. Uh, you know, Thielen played pretty well. Looked like he got banged up, but boy, give him credit because he was hobbling around and staying on the field saying, we got to win this game.
1: Yeah, he... It looked like a high ankle sprain at one point, and those are not easy to play with. No. They no. hurt, They and they linger too, which sucks. But... I think Adam Thielen is, I think he loves playing for yeah. this coach, and he said that he loves this, the new scheme, he loves everything about it, and that's probably what a lot of these players think, and it's helping win these close games. I saw something the other day, the difference between last year's team and this year's team is results. Yeah. When you look at this team, you we're playing we haven't played great the last two weeks, but we're finding ways to win, and that's all that matters. You, I would rather us play 17 games terribly but win 15 of those games than play all 17 games perfectly, but we only win like five or right. six. Right.
0: You're right, because last year these were the games they lost. They found a way to lose. You know, um, when Greg Joseph missed the extra point, that would have made the, made the Saints have to go score a touchdown. And I thought, oh, overtime. I mean, that's just your thought. He's going to go overtime. But, you know, you kind of look at that. It's always the what if, the what if. But if the, if he hits that and the Saints are forced to go for a touchdown, well, what if they score it? Well, how much time would have been left for the Vikings to try to kick a tying field? You know, then it goes the other way around. And you, you sit and think a little bit like, well, wait a minute. Um, that would have been – we'll never know. Uh but just the way that the Vikings, for instance, gave up that big chunky yardage to let the Saints have a shot at a field goal to tie it at the end, you know, defensively, was a little frustrating. And, again, that defense didn't seem to put enough pressure on Andy Dalton. And what I'm reading is Ed Donatel just doesn't like to blitz much. And I'm thinking, well, but sometimes you have to.
1: I know with the defense, obviously it was a worry part of this team like people were not confident in the defense and it's starting to show we're just not that great on defense Mm -hmm. and these veterans are getting slower they're getting older they're not moving around like they used to and I know we're only four weeks in but Ed Donatel I am (laughs) about you are almost on the hot seat in my book at this point his game plans have been awful The shell coverage against the Eagles was a terrible idea. And then you let the Lions carve. The last two weeks, you've let Jared Goff and Andy Dalton carve up your secondary. That shouldn't be
0: happening. Two guys who are above average but not great.
1: They're guys that should be able to throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns and probably a pick. But they shouldn't be marching down the field every single drive. The Lions, I understand a little bit more because they have a little more talent. Andy Dalton's old; he's not that great anymore, and there are times he made awful throws, yeah, but we just can't find a way to stop it and I mean I know it's still early this coaching staff is still learning, but Ed Donatell is a veteran at this point yeah
0: he's been around for a long time. He
1: needs to either scrap what he's been doing or teach it better because it's not working
0: and you know, I wonder a little bit too but but part of this is we we've got some all pro players there. I wonder if we'll see in the drafts in the years to come, drafting players that fit his scheme better. Of course, the problem is, you got two guys you drafted this year, and seen fractured his leg in a horrible incident on a special teams he's done. Um, Andrew Booth hasn't seen the field yet because he's dealing with a quad issue. So it looked like they were trying to go for guys that maybe are going to fit a little bit of their scheme a little bit better, but um, time will tell. We said at the start of the year, we just need an average defense. Because we think the offense is going to score a lot of points. Well, when they're not, then we need our defense to be a little bit above average. Again, we're we're nitpicking. We're three and one, um, tied. Well, technically in first place because we beat the Packers, who somehow also are slogging along. Uh, you know, the the division right now is there for you to take if you're the Vikings, because the Packers have not looked great. They almost lost to a third string quarterback in New England, and uh, you know the, the Lions lose a shootout in in Seattle, and uh, the Bears, well, we'll see you next week because they just look really bad.
1: Yeah, I, this team is going to get better. I think once K- KOC starts getting into the groove of things, the offense is going to be fine. I'm not worried about the offense. If we get to week five or six or seven and we're starting to say the same thing on the offense where they just can't finish drives, then it might be time to worry a little bit whether it's KOC, whether it's Kirk, or yeah. something. I don't want to blame anybody yet on the offense. The defense, if that can get better, this team is a team that can be dangerous right. because they have the ability to score a lot of points.
0: Well this is what I look at, so we'll play the Bears next week and we'll play it everybody else in the NFC North once. So what happens the second time you play those teams? That's where it really shows your coaching chops. What adjustments have you made based on what you learned the first time you played the teams? And if they beat the Bears next week and are 3-0 and in the division, that's huge. But can you go four and zero oh and five? Can can you beat the teams a second time? Because the reality is, you, you should be the Bears are just not good. You should beat them twice. Um, the Lions, eh, well, I think they're going to keep getting better. But really, probably, uh, I think that if you win, if you're going to win this division, you have to go five and one. Like you might lose at Green Bay in January because it's at Green Bay in January. But even the Packers aren't great. They have big concerns on their offense as well
1: yeah i mean
0: it's not going to be a
1: cakewalk with chicago because we just were in london we're going to be tired the time change is not going to help us but yes it's a game you should win Mm -hmm. chicago is not good if they had like matt Nagy, i would say maybe this is a lot closer than we think because it's a rookie coach coming off a jet-lagged week against a somewhat veteran coach, who was bad, but a veteran's coach. Right. But Matt Eberflus, he's been pretty good so far, but he's still a rookie head coach with a bad team. I think the Vikings should win this game handedly. but the problem is, is
0: the jet lag part. Right. I don't
1: know how much it's going to affect
0: them. At team. least it's at home. You know, and playing New Orleans in London instead of the Superdome, which is, or whatever they call it down there now. That's the biggest... Thing they came away with on this schedule was not having to go to the yep. Superdome. Because you. I, I could hear and I commented to my wife as we're watching I said, that's the Saints PA announcer. Like, he flew over there. You could tell because it was the home field like PA announcer, which is cool and that's what you should do. But, um, you know, we've talked about some of the coaches. I think the one, the coach that we should be focusing on in a positive way, special teams have looked good. I mean, Joseph's going to miss a kick here and there, but the, the fake punt was run fantastically and at a crucial part of the game and just their coverage most of the time they're getting down there if a guy returns and he's not going to get very far.
1: Yeah I I like the special teams a lot more this year Greg is Greg Joseph has been amazing what has he missed? two kicks so far and
0: two yard field yeah, goals and then the extra point. This I'm not week, too mad about it no. I mean
1: it's not affected anything we're three and one he makes a lot he made five field goals on Sunday yeah. that's really good you asked him to do that last year, he probably misses two of them. Yeah. And yeah. It, it probably was a combination of Zimmer and the head coach. But, yeah, it looks a lot better. And like I said, I think it's the overall culture. Like right. with KOC, everything is just better. Because these last two weeks when you watch this team play, whether it's Greg Joseph wandering out there or the offense wandering out there, the defense wandering out there, you feel like we're always in the game.
0: Right. So right. That's,
1: the energy yeah. he's bringing has changed a lot.
0: Times are changing. We love it here in Vikings territory. And hopefully by the end of Sunday, about 3 o'clock, the Vikings will move to 4-1. and That's some more wisdom with Wyatt. Next up here on the program, we turn from the Vikings win this week and look ahead to the Chicago Bears next week, back home at U.S. Bank Stadium. Joining me, I've got Jack Shad. I went to college with Jack's mom. Uh, back in the day at Winona state, and uh Jack is a big bears fan, Jack, first of all, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me yeah uh tell me what's it like living here in the great state of Minnesota, but being a die hard chicago bears fan what do you I, you take some razzing at school and stuff i assume
2: oh definitely <laughs> um, it's a lot easier than' winning
0: right. Right, but, you
2: know, you got to wear the Fields jersey after a win, you
0: know. Okay, okay, uh, which is kind of hit and miss this year so far. You know, when yeah,
2: my, fr- my friends call him Bustin' Fields. Okay, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I can work with that. Yeah, uh, you know, when when the season started, and last year when Fields got out there, you saw some flashes, you saw some potential and stuff. What kind of expectations did you have as a Bears fan this year for him and the team as a whole? Well, I mean, I expect him to take some steps forward, which he has not really shown. Uh, I expect a better offense than we're getting
2: from Linketzi. Thought he'd run more of what he ran with Rogers, and it's just not happening right now. Um, the defense has been improved, which was expected with Ibafu as coming in as a defensive mind. Um, but yeah, it's not really what I expected. in today's, well, this week's loss was right. not good against the Giants. That uh, hurt a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's uh you know, and, and you look you talk about maybe Fields hasn't made those kind of steps yet that you were hoping for and, and today he only threw for hundred and seventy four yards. But here's a more telling sign to me for a, a mobile quarterback like he is he got sacked six times today by the Giants defense. Is this just him holding on to the ball too long? Is it an offensive line problem? What's going on um that he gets sacked that many times?
2: It's an offensive line problem, sort of. Uh Sam Lush is sure, still the center. When Lucas Patrick moves back to the center, he's dealing with a broken hand, so he can't snap the ball yet. But uh, when he moves back to center, it'll be improved. Uh, the other problem is he changes throwing mechanics. Now it's to shorten it, and he's just not being accurate. So he's not trusting himself. He tends to hold the ball longer that way. Okay. Um, okay. And then it's just, it's just icky. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just, it, doesn't look, it doesn't look right. And he fumbles so often.
0: Right, so so like just ball maintenance, ball control, uh, the little things that you should know coming into the NFL. Yeah, he he
2: does, and he has not playing with the same swagger he played with at Ohio State.
0: Right. Well, I guess if you're at Ohio State, you just tend to have swagger just by yeah. walking on campus, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, and it is it's it's such a huge jump to the NFL. And as as much as you look at. Programs like Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia that produce so many NFL players—it's still a big leap. And and maybe did I mean did Fields get thrown into it a little bit too quickly? Or Do we rush these NFL quarterbacks just because that you know we pay them so much money? It's like you feel that pressure to get them in there. Maybe they'd be better served sitting and learning for a couple of years. Or or is this They're just? Sure. They,
2: they, they did try to sit them, and then Dalton
0: yeah got injured. You just you can't win, right? When you you don't have any other options. And even look across the way at the Giants today, where Daniel Jones gets hurt, Tyrod Taylor comes in, then he gets hurt. Uh, It's it's tough being a quarterback in the NFL. It is. It it's uh, but but you you did talk about the defense too, and the defense certainly has been you know even if you don't count the uh, the the rain bowl that they had against the giants which you know levels the playing field for everybody yeah. but you know they're they're holding teams you know and and um and doing a nice job and granted you have a Saquon Barkley who rushes for 146 yards today he seems to be coming back into his own but overall you know if you hold a team to 20 points or fewer in the NFL you should have a good chance to win you just have to have the offense to go with it
2: yeah you've got a somewhat competent offense
0: yeah who who is standing out on this Bears defense that we as Vikings fans next week might hear a lot out of? Well, I mean, Roquan Smith. You watch the game; it seems like he's on every tackle. But you should know about him. Right. Uh, Eddie
2: Jackson's coming back. He's, he's he had his third pick of the year today, which is his second career second highest in his career.
0: Okay. Um,
2: total and uh, Jalen Johnson he has been locked down I think he's targeted like coming into this game he was targeted like six times all year they're just not throwing it near him because none of the other cornerbacks are good but he's also just that good
0: okay so is that a guy you see possibly covering Justin Jefferson
2: I'd, I'd imagine he'd cover Justin Jefferson okay uh, I could, yeah he probably would just, and then Kindleville Door would be on Adam Thielen, which I'd I'd expect a big game from Adam Thielen if he's covered okay. by Bill
0: Dorr. Well we'll see. Thielen got a little banged up today too. He kind of toughed it out, yeah, but yeah. um but but you know who knows? It's the NFL. And uh, you know, what we've seen this year is um when you when you have somebody really good that can cover Jefferson, you can really shut him down. Certainly the Eagles did that. Uh, for a time today, Marshawn Lattimore did that for the Saints, but after a while he he Lost a couple steps and Jefferson got the better of them, but um, I, I don't. You know, when I look ahead to next week, and I and certainly playing at home always benefits a team. So the Vikings coming home, albeit after a trip over to London, um, should have the advantage. But I don't necessarily see them bursting out just because of this Bears strong defense. Um, what's it going to take for the Bears to beat the Minnesota Vikings at US Bank next week? Uh,
2: the run game on offense, really, and shutting down John, uh, Jefferson and uh, Cook, they can do that. I think they've got a shot. You can, you can control the run game better than you did this weekend, Saquon, and then shut down Jeff, Jefferson. And I don't know if Montgomery will be back. If he is, pound the rock with him. And Herberts looks good too. So,
0: well, I was going to say think- Montgomery's a, a really good running back, and uh, you know, miss, missing him certainly hurts. Um, Herbert's more incapable. On the other side, too, you know, when I look at it, the Vikings' secondary is very suspect right now. And if they can get the ball to Darnell Mooney, man, he can make some stuff happen, too. And he, he's a pretty exciting receiver for the Bears.
2: Yeah, he had that 56 yard catch today. It was a great play. But,
0: but, but. Is, is it kind of hit or miss for him sometimes where it's a big player or, or not much at all?
2: Uh, it really is. He he's really good at double moves, which says something about his route running. But anything else, he just gets locked down really
0: easily, and he can get lost. He's a little short. Okay, okay, so, and, and that doesn't help with this quarterback too. You know, when I look at this and I say, "Well, gee, if, if the Vikings could ever put pressure, they're struggling a little bit on putting pressure on quarterbacks. If you got after Justin Fields, you'd be fine." But um, I, I have some worries about that. Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback to use a really bad pun, hurt the Vikings, and I'm a little concerned about Justin Fields doing that too, but uh, at the end of the day when you say, okay, um, i got to lay it on the line and um, uh, make a prediction for next week, uh, how do you see next week unfolding um, between the Bears and Vikings? Probably
2: Vikings 27, Bears
0: uh, 17. <laughs> it's right in the range I was thinking. I was thinking about a 10 point Vikings win. Of course, I thought that this week too, and they had to hang on at the end to beat the Saints because it is the NFL. Doink. Yeah, yeah, the double doink. And, and you Bears fans are well well familiar uh, yeah. with that. Uh, it's nice to see it happen to a different team. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, you know, as a Vikings fan too, you know, you know that we have our fair share of kicking woes over the years. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, plenty of those. And so as uh as Lutz lined up to try the 61-yarder today, my wife and I figured we were for sure headed to overtime, and uh, could hardly believe our eyes that somebody else had bad luck. But um, you know, it's the Bears. I look at this and I say, this would be a notch in their belt. They would they would show themselves as being uh, potentially on on the rise up if they could beat the Vikings. But the way it's looking right now, it's more of a Vikings Packers race in the NFC North. Um, I thought the Lions would have a little bit better record by now, but um, they've got the offense and just not the defense. So, whatever the the Lions and Bears, you know that could be that could be quite an interesting matchup down the line when those two teams meet. Yeah, good
2: offense against good defense. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So who knows? But uh, uh, any other thoughts as we go into next week? You're you're pretty, even as a Bears fan, you have to be realistic and say probably have a, a, a tough road to hold. But um, by the end of the season. If Fields just isn't showing it, what can this Bears team do? Is it time to start looking another direction, or do you keep working on him and and hope for the future?
2: Uh, if, if the offense is continuing to struggle and they put up you know twelve points every single week, I think you fire the offensive coordinator Luke Getsey after one year. It's just a little crazy, but uh, it's just not working. And then I think you give Fields one more shot with the new offense, which would be a little hard to do his third offense. But I think. He has the Roth tools and the scramble ability that you can't just give up on him that easy. Right. And it's also hard to find that. In, it's hard to find NFL quarterbacks. Maybe you draft a guy and he sits on your fields. I just I think the way the offense is going, something needs to change.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. Um, it, it's always exciting whenever there's an NFC North battle. And uh, we'll we'll see if our predictions are correct that the Vikings can come out on top by a couple of scores, and um, you know after that, best of luck to your Bears. We'll see them again down the line. Uh, the last game of the season will be a little chilly at Soldier Field, um, and I have I'll tell you what I'm I'm scared of that game if it matters for the Vikings because playing at Soldier Field in January uh, that's never a good thing, and the Vikings just traditionally don't play very well there. Of course, you hope it means yeah. a lot too um i don't know yeah it
2: might mean it might
0: mean a draft pick yeah well there you go that's (laughs) they they might be packing it in by that point well jack shad thanks uh thanks for joining us this week on whatever flips your waffle yeah thank you you know when i started this program back at the end of january and trying to figure out my way through this and what would work well to uh put segments in i used to start with a little bit of a an Opinion piece on whatever was happening in sports And I thought, let's bring that back for this week um, I wrote a piece for the NRHEG Star Eagle uh, One of our our um, supporters, our advertisers here on the show And I wrote about the Minnesota Twins a little bit and I thought I'd share that opinion with my listeners uh, Just in case you don't read the paper, you should But in case you don't, um, this is what I have to say about the Twins season Now that the Minnesota Twins have sunk out of the playoff race for the second year in a row Rumblings have intensified on social media to fire manager Rocco Baldelli and front office mavens Thad Levine and Derek Falvey. I'm here to tell you, that's the wrong take. Do I think Baldelli is a great manager, destined to get a statue outside Target Field someday? No. But I also like to look at his overall record, which includes two division titles already. I don't like his over-reliance on advanced analytics, even though most of Major League Baseball uses them. A notable exception is Terry Francona, manager of the Cleveland Guardians, the team that has won the Central Division. He goes with his gut and intuition when it counts, much like Tom Kelly used to do in winning two World Series titles. Think about Tom Kelly and his pitching staff in those those seasons. Think about Jack Morris in Game 7 of the 91 World Series. Go with your gut sometimes. Sometimes. Not always. Sometimes. I've talked about this with numerous guests on this show. People who follow the Twins for a living are pretty much in agreement that Baldelli is not the biggest problem with this baseball team. I hate it too when he yanks a starter so they avoid going through the lineup a third time, even if that pitcher has done really well so far. I guess the numbers show that batting average goes up dramatically the third time, but I'd argue that there isn't enough data since pitchers rarely pitch in that situation. And when they do, they're just seeing a few guys and they get yanked out uh, much of the time. I'd rather see pitchers learn how to adjust to the batters the third time around. Don't throw the same stuff. I'd like to see them strengthen their arms to pitch more than 80 or 90 pitches as a starter. If you're becoming ineffective because you're losing steam down the stretch, you are not strong enough. But again, most Major League Baseball teams treat their pitchers the same way that the Twins do. We just see it every single day, and that's why we kind of harp on that sometimes. I wish more players knew how to bunt to move a runner into scoring position. Boy, that would have been a quick way to take care of these shifts that are going to disappear next year anyway. Uh, That would have taken care of that in a quick hurry. It would be nice to see more steals. And that's a skill that has just as much to do with reading a pitcher as it does with speed. I can tell you that as a guy who used to steal bases, and I wasn't that fast. It's about reading the pitcher. but that's not currently the Twins' way. Baldelli seems to have support in the clubhouse. Players generally like him. This season, we've even seen him shed that robotic demeanor and show emotion, likely as a result of the Twins blowing the lead in the division they held on to for most of the season, and uh, they might end up in third place by the time this is all said and done. Injuries have doomed the Twins this season. When I first wrote this piece, there were 18 players on the injured list. 18 at the same time. That's enough to play an inner squad game. When your outfield consists of Jake Cave, Gilberto Celestino, and Nick Gordon, you're probably not destined for the playoffs. When the two pitchers you trade for, Chris Paddock and Tyler Molly, develop arm issues, that becomes a problem. When you can't hold a lead against the Cleveland Guardians at all, ever, you're not going to make the playoffs. The bullpen implosions this year have been significant, and they've become worse since pitching coach Wes Johnson left midseason to take a college coaching job. You can't understate the job he did with the staff, and I would guess without doing a lot of research that the team ERA has gone up since he departed. Levine and Falvey have made trades to try to bolster this team, especially when it looked like they had a shot at the playoffs. Where they have failed is providing adequate depth. Nobody could foresee this many injuries, but it really shows how depleted our farm system is and carries concerns for the future. Baldelli needs to look at his coaching staff. He's got to make some changes before next year. You can't stand Pat. That's the way to show fans you are trying to improve. You need to get a third-base coach who's not going to get guys thrown at the plate by a lot. You perhaps need a pitching coach you know, that is ready for the job or uh, some changes they can make. That's for sure. Making a legitimate offer to keep shortstop Carlos Correa here is another, even if he goes somewhere else. But if you make him a really legitimate offer that makes it hard for him to turn it down, he's indicated, just got to come get me. I don't know what that number means. But if you lowball him, that doesn't tell the fan base you care enough. And improving the bullpen is imperative. You've got to do something to figure that scenario out. 2023 was always the year the Twins have been shooting for to make a run. If they fail again next year, change has to come. But if you actually thought the Twins would win the division this year prior to the season starting, then you're probably the one person who's truly disappointed. Most people did not pick the Twins to win the division. You always had hope. But um, in reality, I can go back and, and you can look at Old recordings of this show where I said they'd win between 82 and 88 games and be in the running for a wild card. While I was off there too, they were in running for a while, um, but the Central was so bad it didn't matter. There's a lot of talent in this group. They need good health. They need some added pieces to the pitching staff to have that chance to break that playoff losing streak. When healthy. Byron Buxton was one of the best players of the game. I give him a lot of credit. He played through a lot of pain this year, but they've got to hopefully figure some stuff out so he can play 110, 120 games in a year. Jose Miranda has shown he belongs in the big leagues. Jorge Polanco is solid at second base. They have four starting pitchers in place for next year, provided they overcome their current health hurdles. It's hard to imagine beating the Yankees, the Astros, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, all teams who are consistently so good every year. Still, all it takes is to make the big show and get hot. That's what the 1987 team did, and maybe the 2023 Twins can do it too. We'll take one more quick break here and uh, be back for the remainder of the show. There's a new newspaper in Wasika County. The Wasika County Pioneer is on the stands and is produced by the same group of people who put together the NRHEG Star Eagle each week. If you're looking for good news in Wasika, Janesville, or New Richland, the Wasika County Pioneer is the place to look. Check it out today, and if you're interested in a subscription, contact the folks at the paper, 507-463-8112, or email steagle at hickorytech.net. As an added bonus, if you tell them you heard this ad from the Waffle Flipper, you'll get a discounted price for a one-year subscription of only $40. So call 507-463-8112 and tell them you heard about the Waseca County Pioneer on whatever flips your waffle. And now it's time for the state of Minnesota sports. A little addendum onto my uh, pontification about the Twins, uh, you know, when they were seemingly, you know, for sure going to be out of things. Uh, we had talked here on the program about, hey, maybe the goal should be, let's finish over 500. Let's at least be 500 this year. That seems a realistic goal. And, of course, they go out and and just, you know, stink it up against Kansas City, Detroit, place like this. They're not going to finish over 500. Um, they're kind of battling the White Sox a little bit. They'd have to sweep the White Sox. And by the time you listen to this, uh, the season will be, done uh, but they'd have to sweep the white sox to move ahead of them and finish in second place so that overall disappointment for a team that that I expected to contend for a wild card um, to be in that you know 82 to 88 win range I thought that was a realistic thing especially adding Korea uh, you know the most they could come away with would be 80 wins and that just that just doesn't cut it I, again I get the injuries and I, I talked about that I understand that but they have to have some moving pieces and some of this falls in the front office of your depth isn't there to be able to come and fill in some some roles and and I really think I really think they have to reexamine how they deal with their pitching staff you you can't have a Chris Archer who's only going to give you 4 innings you just can't do that because it taxes your bullpen and that started the show and I think part of the uh, decline in the, in the fall of the Twins the second half of the season was they just kept going back to the well on these guys, and it got to be too much. They got overworked and, and probably underpaid, I guess, if you want to go with the song. But you need to have pitchers. You need to have some confidence in Joe Ryan, in Sonny Gray, um, in these guys to be able to go six, seven innings. You just have to let them do that sometimes. And you know what? If they get enough data that shows, hey, guess what? They're they're not making it. They they can't go that third time through. But give them a chance. You know, when you are really really on top of things and throwing well, and your velocity hasn't gone down tremendously, and again, teach them, coach them about how to throw somebody. Just like in the younger levels, we coach young pitchers. Hey, if you get ahead of somebody 0 and 2, you know you're not going to throw them a fastball down the middle of the plate. You're gonna nibble an edge. You're gonna throw a breaking pitch. You're gonna you're gonna do something. You might bounce one in the dirt, depending if you have runners on base. Be smart about it. Third time through, well, I got this guy out on this pitch before, but I'm probably not gonna get him out. I might not get him out on that again. You know, just understanding some different different um, strategies of the game. Uh, what do I know? I'm not a big league manager, I guess. Your Golden goal for football team, uh, wow. Wow, you know you're undefeated. You're rolling along. You have homecoming, and Purdue again—not a bad team, but but hadn't been looking like some people thought they might. Well, they came to town with a mission. Hey, we're still we're still part of the Big Ten West. Don't just hand the Gophers the crown right now, you know. and, And really, things were laid out for the Gophers. Wisconsin loses again. You know they fire their head coach. It's all there, and they can still, you know, certainly can still come back and, and win this Big Ten West, but those are the kind of losses we've grown all too accustomed to here in Minnesota in all of our sports, but the Gophers have been really good at that, of losing a game that they maybe shouldn't if they really want to show people that they're a quality program and, and going to stay consistent. You just you can't lose those games. Um, I'll be honest, a homecoming has never been a favorite thing of mine, whether it's high school or college. I think there's... Uh, so many distractions and stuff. I get it, but do do students understand what homecoming is about, or is it just a reason to to act foolish at times and do some things? You know, this is about supporting all of your teams and uh, and you know welcoming back alumni and things like that. I just don't think that becomes a huge part of it, but when it's such a distraction, I think that takes away a little bit. And um, you know not having Mo Ibrahim out with an injury, He's the st- straw that stirs the drink for the golfers and it certainly impacts how you play call and how the other team plays defense and they force Tanner Morgan into three interceptions uh, do the boilermakers and that you know changes things up a lot. So now we go from the idea of hey we, we were undefeated we could win this game we could beat Illinois, but Illinois's four and one you know they're not you know they beat up on Wisconsin pretty good. You know, suddenly that Penn State game is a long way down the road, even though it's only three weeks away. The Gophers are on a bye this week. They have some time to lick their wounds, but you better get a good game plan together to go to, down to Champaign and uh, and beat the Fighting Illini down there so that you have a chance to make the Penn State game meaningful. If you lose at Illinois, it, it doesn't matter, and you're going to go on this losing streak. But uh, let's hope the Gophers turn that around and uh, do some nice things, and If they don't play in a Big Ten championship game this year, I would consider the the season to be a failure. So um, go Gophers, but stop letting us down like that. That'd sure be nice. Uh, The Wild and the Wolves, both in training camps, getting ready for their seasons. The Wild have played a number of preseason games, and one thing you can say about the Wild so far in the preseason is their scoring has been prolific. Um, they've been putting goals in there, left and right, and that's a good thing. and you know they were doing that a lot of times last year, too, but most of the time or a lot of times last year, they were having to come from behind and score a lot of goals in order to um, you know stay in the games or give themselves a chance and they certainly that's not a sustainable way to win professional games. So hopefully, they've got some things, you know, they got some things rolling and and again, it I have a feeling I was talking to. Um, Brad Betterman, as I was helping Do some color commentary for a local High school football game, and he's a big Hockey fan, a Wild fan, and he said This is kind of one of those, you know, the Wild Were they going to rebuild? Were they going to, they got, you know, some Salary cap issues, but he was pretty excited About the season, and and he said yeah, They have a real chance to do something um, They don't have to, re-. a little bit like the Vikings Where you're doing a competitive rebuild, maybe uh, Without tearing it all down You're just shuffling a few things, and and seeing what can happen. So let's hope for the best for the Wild as they get close to starting their season. And, uh, you know, again, the way the NHL playoffs are set up is kind of puzzling at times, but, you know, make a run at things, uh, make some things happen, and, and maybe there'll be some excitement. Uh, get out of the first round of the playoffs. That'd be awfully nice. Same with the Timberwolves. Uh, longtime Wolves fans have been suffering for a very, very long time. And as we've said on here before, the goal this year with the moves they made – has to be a top-four seed in the Western Conference. And if you can get that top-four seed, uh, a lot of amazing things could happen and, and some good things. And you're going to be rocking Target Center and everybody's going to be excited about the Timberwolves. And then, again, get out of the first round. You, you can't just make it to that point. You have to get out of the first round and show that you are a competitive team, a team, a team that can be consistent and uh, and be there all the time. And, and again, it, it makes for for an exciting winter. As the, the Twins have frittered away, you know, the Vikings are in first place right now. That's a good thing. We hope for excitement throughout their season. Uh, but then you, you say, okay, now we can start to work in the Wild and the Timberwolves, the Gophers. And it can be a lot of good things here in Minnesota. A lot of people traveling to Minneapolis excited about uh, games, professional and college. And, and before you know it, it'll be college basketball season for the Gophers as well. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for This Week in Minnesota Sports History. On October 5th in 1969, the Twins lost to Baltimore one to nothing in 11 innings in Game 2 of the American League Championship Series. In 1970, on October 5th, the Twins lost to Baltimore, finishing the sweep in the ALCS and having lost 6 straight to the Orioles in the playoffs over the two years of the ALCS. In 2002, the Twins beat Oakland at the Dome 11-2 to tie The American League Divisional Series, two games apiece. In 2004, on October 5th, the Twins won at Yankee Stadium. That's right, they won at Yankee Stadium in Game 1 of the American League Divisional Series 2-0 and set a playoff record with five double plays in the game. On October 5th, in 2019, the Twins lost Game 2 of the ALDS in New York as the Yankees won 8-2. One of the questionable decisions that Rocco Baldelli made was to put Randy Dobnek in as the starter. He was constantly reminded of his old job as an Uber driver. On October 6th, in 1965, the Twins won Game 1 of the World Series against the Dodgers 8-2 to with Mudcat Grant pitching. Sandy Koufax refused to pitch because of Yom Kippur, which was a Jewish holiday. Of course, that didn't matter at the end. He... Handled the Twins in Game 7. Tony Oliva tied a World Series record with seven putouts in right field. In 1969, on October 6th, the Twins were swept by Baltimore in the ALCS, three games to none, losing 11 to 2. The first two games were one run games. They got blown out in the third. In 2002, on October 6th, the Twins beat Oakland 5 to 4 on the road to win the ALDS three games to two. Denny Hawking, however, injured his hand in the post-game celebration as they were piling on the field and was out for the American League Championship Series against Anaheim. Think about that, though. They played back-to-back, having to travel from Minnesota to Oakland and play back-to-back games. Uh, you probably wouldn't see much of that um, anymore today. In 2009, on October 6th, the Twins played game 163 at the Metrodome against Detroit, one of the most exciting games in Twins history. And the Twins came out on top 6-5 to five in 12 innings, the very last regular season game played at the Dome. That was considered a regular season game. On October 7th in 1925, the Washington Senators beat Pittsburgh on the road in Game 1 of the World Series. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the last time a Senators-slash-Twins team, since it's the same franchise, won on the road in the World Series. In 1965, on October 7th, the Twins won Game 2 of the World Series with a 5-1 win over the Dodgers, with Jim Cott beating Sandy Koufax. Enjoy that while it lasted. In 1987, the Twins beat Detroit 8-5 in Game 1 of the ALCS thanks to a Don Baylor pinch-hit single in the 8th to break the tie. It was also the debut of the Homer Hanky. Got plenty of those laying around. I'm sure some of you do as well. On October 7th in 2009, the Twins lost 7-2 at Yankee Stadium in the first-ever postseason game played at that new edition of Yankee Stadium. And in 2019 on October 7th, the Twins lost 5-1 to the Yankees at Target Field to get swept out of the American League Divisional Series. On October 8th in 1987, the Twins beat the Tigers 6-3 at the Dome in Game 2 of the ALCS with Burt Blylevin outpitching Jack Morris. But wait. On October 8th in 1991, the Twins beat Toronto 5-4 in Game 1 of the ALCS with Jack Morris on the mound. Beating him in 87, having him help win the World Series in 91. On October 8th in 2002, the Twins beat the Angels 2-1 at the Metrodome in Game 1 of the ALCS behind Joe Mays pitching. Think about that. Joe Mays. They only had one day off in between the ALC, or the ALDS and the ALCS, and so Joe Mays was the man for that day. Here's your non-baseball one. On October 8th in 2005, Wayne Gretzky got his first win as a coach as his Phoenix Coyotes beat the Minnesota Wild 2-1. On October 9th in 1965, the Dodgers shut out the Twins 4-0 in Game 3 of the World Series. In 1991, the Blue Jays beat the Twins 5-2 to in Game 2 of the ALCS. That was a rare loss at home for the Twins in a playoff game. In 2002, on October 9th, the Angels beat the Twins 6-3 in Game 2 of the ALCS at the Dome. It was the largest crowd ever at 55,990 people crammed in there. In 2004, on October 9th, the Yankees came from 4 down early to beat the Twins 6-5 to in the 11th inning and win the American League Divisional Series 3 games to 1. On October 9th in 2009, the Twins lost Game 2 of the ALDS 4-3 to in 11 innings. They had a 3-1 to lead in the 9th against the Yankees, but Joe Nathan gave up a two-run bomb to A-Rod. Mark Teixeira hit a walk-off home run to win it. On October 10th, my wife Michelle and I got married. Back in 1998, happy anniversary. Before then, in 1965, on October 10th, the Dodgers tied the World Series two games apiece with a 7-2 win over the Twins in L.A. In 1987, on October 10th, the Tigers beat the Twins 7-6 in Detroit in Game 3 of the ALCS. And in 2017, on October 10th, Byron Buxton was awarded the Platinum Glove, as the best American League defender. He'd gotten the gold glove and then the platinum gloves for the best overall defender in the league. On October 11th, in 1900, Washington, D.C. was awarded a baseball franchise. Eventually, of course, 1961, they became the Minnesota Twins. In 1965, on October 11th, Sandy Koufax and the Dodgers shut out the Twins 7 to nothing in Game 5 of the World Series. In 1968, on October 11th, Billy Martin, was named manager of the Minnesota Twins. In 1987, on October 11th, the Twins beat Detroit 5-3 to to go up three games to one in the ALCS. In 1991, the Twins beat Toronto 3-2 to in 10 innings on a Mike Pagliarulo home run to go up two games to one in the ALCS. Mike Pagliarulo, a name from the past. In 2002, on October 11th, the Twins lost Game 3 of the ALCS 2-1 in Anaheim after Troy Gloss hit an 8th-inning home run. And in 2009, on October 11th, the Twins lost 4-1 to the Yankees and were swept in the ALDS. It was the final baseball game ever played at the Metrodome. For my local listeners, this week in Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva sports, October 6th, cross-country is at Wasika. Volleyball is at Janesville. October 7th, it's homecoming. Football team plays at home against the Medford Tigers, looking for their first win of the season. October 10th, volleyball is home against Kenyan Wanamingo. And October 11th, cross-country is at Alden. Remember, we stream on the NFHS network for all our home games. A lot of times you can hear me either in the background or doing play-by-play, though I won't be there on October 10th for volleyball. Uh, But I invite you to check that out and um, tune in for our local sports and everything like that. I promised you a special announcement, and this is that. This is my last show. I've decided to uh, hang it up. This is 37 episodes, and um, I, I started this back in January. And I've, I've really had a blast doing it, um, but for a variety of reasons, um, uh, one of the main ones just being time. This takes a lot of time to put together uh, and, and a few other things. I've just decided it's time to to put a stop to whatever flips your waffle. I really, really appreciate um, those of you um, who've given me some great feedback over time. I appreciate those of you who tune in each and every week, um, whether it is on 365sportscast.com, whether you check it out on YouTube, Spotify, Spotify, Uh, Whatever you do, I I, I do appreciate that I've I've met so many wonderful people And had so many great conversations in doing this And I really want to take a moment and shout out to all these great guests that I've had over time You go all the way back to January 26th And Matt Johnson from Twins Almanac was on He was on a couple different times Thanks to Matt for helping me dive into what it meant to be an interviewer Uh, Ted Schwartzler of uh, Twins Daily been on a couple times. Todd walking stick out of Oatana, thanks to him. Uh, John Millay from the Minnesota State High School League, a fantastic conversation. The great Carly Wagner, NRHEG Minnesota Golden Gopher basketball standout. Um, she has been on here. Sophie Stork, um, who graduated this last year, a great interview as well. I had the uh, state wrestlers from NRHEG um, that were on. Uh, one week as well. That was a lot of lot of fun. And Carter Martins, too, an NRHEG star who was able to enlighten me a little bit on hockey. I had the Packer brothers on a while back. I know that I tried to get them on again. Um, they've kind of put a little halt to their podcast. Life gets in the way. Uh, Shane Moore from Triple Play Sports, he had a podcast. He, too, has kind of come to a halt on that. It's it's harder than it looks, folks. Um, Todd Dufault was on out of uh, Wasika originally. Um, he's He's still coaching basketball up in North Branch and having a good time there. Uh, Andrew Noor, I got to put a big shout-out to Andrew. He's been on here a few times. He saved my bacon at least once. Um, Great guy to talk to uh, with Let's Talk Twins, Let's Talk Vikings, Let's Talk Wolves, a lot of great things. Andrew Phillips was on from NRHEG, tremendous, tremendous athlete. He'll be playing baseball at South Dakota State University uh, in 2023-24. It'll be fun to see his career. Uh, Brandon Warren from Access Twins has been on here. Uh, Troy Ramage has been on a couple times from Vikings Daily. Troy, a great guy to talk to about the Vikings. Lucas Seehofer has been on a couple times talking links, talking the Twins. Uh, Lindsey Young, what a fantastic uh, interview with her about mental health, both for just all of us and and for athletes as well. She works for the Minnesota Vikings. John Swole, huge shout-out to John. Uh, His Twins trivia Website is where I got so many of my This Week in Minnesota Sports history. I also used a few other sites, but I got so many Twins things. John does a great job there. It's so much fun. I encourage you to check out TwinsTrivia.com. Jeff Jimenez was on. He, uh, local coach and official, is a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, Quinn Van Meldingham, when she went to the state track meet last year from NRHEG, along with Joe Gunderson, who has a Twins Nation podcast. Uh, Jeff Reese, legendary baseball coach. And it was a lot of fun to talk to him, and, and he's since decided to retire. And uh, we wish him the best of luck, too. Uh, my sister Mandy Stafford came on, thanks to Mandy, giving us some Title IX stuff, some things about professional women's uh, football. Theo Tullefson was on uh, from Twins Daily. Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. I, I love Twins Daily, folks. You, if you don't subscribe to their daily email, you should. It's really, really awesome. Uh, a great place to go. Uh, Trey Wicks, Minnesota Vikings Syndicate. He's got his podcast there on YouTube. Uh, Mark Kruger, the NRHEG head football coach, was on. Tony Liebert um, from Gopher Hole, talking about the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, really a lot of fun talking to him. And I was able to you know track down a couple guys. Andrew Ziegler, big Lions fan, came and talked to us. Trace Gerard last week, um, New Orleans Saints fan. Um, talking to us and everything, so that's been so much fun. Just you meet these people from all over the place, and the biggest thanks of all, uh, you know, these these guests have really made my life better. But how about Wyatt Grosskreitz? You probably, if I didn't tell you this, you wouldn't believe he's a senior in high school. he, he interviews so well these wisdom with Wyatt it's so much fun to sit down with Wyatt and I'm going to miss doing that I'm sure he'll still be into we'll talk Vikings and and all kinds of sports all along the way and I'm going to wish him the very best of luck in what he does I hope it might involve something uh, in public speaking and some things like that he does a fine job when it comes to um, those kind of things so that's going to do it this is the last helping of waffles here at 365sportscast.com I'm Again, I'm glad that you know you came in and spent an hour. I'm, I'm glad uh, you chose to spend any amount of time here with me. I had so much fun talking Minnesota sports. And um, you know a reminder, if you ever want to go back and, and uh, look at previous episodes, listen to them, you can check out YouTube, you can check out Spotify, look up Whatever Flips Your Waffle if you want to hear some of those interviews. Really, those are the most fun part of this whole thing, um, talking to those kind of people. So there won't be a next week. I'll never say never. You never know. Um, But I do hope that you will continue to watch and support Minnesota sports. And for one last time, this is Mark Domeyer signing off with Syrup.